I mean, I think we need to get started, Jared. I just feel super amped up with that intro song and the high quality, uh, you know, audio. Dude, don't play more than fifteen seconds. If you play more than fifteen seconds, right. we're gonna have to pay a royalty or something. Shoot. Oh man. That I was think... twenty-five seconds. Ah. Oh. But oh, I man, think, what a great pump-up song, by the way, though. Dude, I, I'm I mean, <laughs> jazzed and razzed to talk about product safety in today's broadcasting nope. session. No I, better way to start a product safety broadcasting session. No, there's no better way to BS than, than that, man. I am just ready to just get going here. Um, so I, I also think, love just constantly the uncertainty if we are recording or not. <laughs> the, like, perpetual, are we live? Or are, is this going? <laughs> Well, the thing on my end is, you know, I, I get to see the the mix, so I, you don't get to see that. But if I had a, sh a screen share, you could see that I, I'm I'm going. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think we have to start with our introduction, which is, hey everybody, I'm Keith, and I'm Jared. You got it. I don't um, know if you're going to go on last name or more. To no, that. no, 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 no. I was waiting for you. Otherwise, <laughs> this is perfectly awkward. And uh, we just wanted to talk to everyone that's not listening, that might be listening, first off and foremost, that we're just passionate and curious about product safety. We've been working about 10, 11, 12 years in the industry, and uh, you know, in today's session, we'll be going over product safety resources, and everything that we say is just learnings. Nothing has to do with any of our professional affiliations or you know any sort of relationship to any or, organizations yeah. it's not or legal industries advice. or anything yeah so purely um, just two people who like to chit chat about product safety for whatever reason yeah i it's so lame but <laughs> i think it's it's let's get started uh today's bs is all about product safety resources so uh as always these sessions are about 30 minutes and we spend the minimal amount of time to come up with content uh, so Jared, if you want to get started, let's, let's start going with some resources that might be helpful, whether yeah. you're new to product safety experienced, maybe you need a, a sounding board to something. Maybe you have a few minutes to read, uh, an article or something like what, what, what do we have today to go over? So, so first, yeah, I mean, setting the context, I think this, this session, we probably put in the most prep. I think we had maybe five minutes of time where we I, just, I think so. Yeah, where we just kind of brainstormed some some resources that we use frequently, we, and we wrote and, it down. And, we wrote it yeah, down we, this time. We jotted it, and and it's important. I think whether you're new into the industry, you know, entry level, or you've just you know transferred into this industry, or you've been working in the industry for 20, 30, 40 years. I mean, these are resources that are they're great references, and they're always important to have that there. And even you know, for me. Um, I'm always looking for where I can find new information, new sources of, of data and, uh, you know, things just to reference when you talk to other people in organizations, you know, sometimes if you get pushback about product safety issues or, uh, you really need to make your case, having some kind of a, a resource, some reference publication really goes a long way there. Yeah, I agree uh, completely. So, so let's get started with like one of the, maybe the first places that, that I look, Jared, um, especially in like the, the JP space or the general product space, let's call it um, a, a quick and easy way to gain some knowledge on a specific topic is if you search Google for national public register and briefing packets, and then type the rest of your, your product inquiry in there. So maybe it's, you know, sleep, maybe it's strollers, maybe it's toys. Um, you're going to find out hopefully a, brief, a briefing packet that's, um, 
you know, published and free uh, from what a CPSC discussion. So there's typically data and summarizations of injuries, um, ways that the agency is considering moving forward. Uh, they might have some other captioned, um, you know, inquiries that have been pulled from uh, expert witness testimonies, other topics that have been happening at the congressional level. Uh, there might be references as well from, from ASTM subcommittees, uh, but all types of good information. And, and, and where, where I use this, Jared, is, at least for me, um, this is not gospel, but this is, for me, a good place to say, here's the summary of what's been happening or when it happened and where I need to move about to make sure that you know, the risk that I'm looking to, to mitigate is, is done so um, you know, properly. But yeah. I find this is like a good way of like, I can spend 20, 30 minutes and, and cursory read through something, and I'm a little bit more educated than what I was before, and it gets me a good way to, to start on my next direction. Um, yeah, I, I got to admit, I, I, I don't leverage this resource as much as I probably should, and I think I will start digging into this more. Um, but the, the few briefing packets that I have looked through, it does a, such a great job of like what are the, the key points, the pros, the cons, just summarizing the issue, giving the background data, testimonies, like you said. Um, and really great if you're if it's in an area that maybe you're not totally comfortable in, you know, in a new industry, something that you're kind of branching into a, a, a white space, um, something you don't have that experience in. It's really great. And I love that it's free. I think we should call out every time what some of these resources are free because. Oh yeah, let's do that because uh, you know from our background. I love free. Yeah, free is great. Um, I think. And there's think, so much free, good information out there. So just got to make sure we're taking advantage. Completely of it. agree. Completely agree. All in on the free. Um, you know, you can find these things um, at the CPSC website as well. Uh, you can find things if you're more on the on the policy side. You know, I'm not. I'd like to consider myself more on the product development, safety, consulting side of things. Um, you know, if you're on the policy side, you can see, you know, who voted for what. Um, that could be helpful as well. Let's let's move on, Jared, because we, we could spend so yeah. much time on these things. I think just a really quick resource um, is just a cursory what's happening out there in industry. Product safety letter is probably a pretty good one. Um I, I'll be yeah. honest, I, I don't think I've subscribed to this as, as a, a paid-for resource, but it gets you enough of the general knowledge of what's the hot-button topic of today um, or this week. So maybe if you're out there and you're looking for a general view, you're in compliance at a larger house of brands, uh, Product Safety Letter might be a, a good resource for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Good good source for getting uh, current event act, uh, activities there. Um. You know, going down our, our list that we jotted together, uh, we have we have the OECD, kind of the global recall call list, um, and then all the other local recall lists, too. You could source, you know, for the U.S., Canada, Europe, Australia are, are kind of the four big ones. Um, I think th I would say that's pretty common knowledge that most people are tracking these and, and reading through them. Um, if not, I mean, I, I think it's kind of one of the standard things when I've started a new job or, or, you know, whatever, sign up for the, the recall list, you get daily or weekly updates that just pop into your inbox. So it makes it you know, simple. Yeah. Very convenient. I, I would agree with you too, Jared. This is not something that I think a seasoned professional doesn't reuse, but if you're new to product safety, uh, 
do this um, and make it a habit to check, you know, pretty much daily. Sometimes it, it takes you 30 seconds to round the horn and find out that there's nothing really out there. Or it might take you 10 minutes and you read a few things and you find out that every single dehumidifier manufactured uh, before 2017 has recently been taken off the market <laughs> for some reason. Um, so uh, I, I think it's really helpful um, if you're if you're designing products and you can quickly retrospectively go backwards as well. Um, look at some things, find the trends that have happened and and quickly avoid scenarios or, or put control points into your processes to make sure that you can avoid, you know, what's happened to some other folks out there. Yeah. And you know, uh, the control point piece, when I read through recalls, yes, there is like learning of like, Oh, I didn't know about that requirement or that standard, but I always look at them as kind of like a pressure test for my own quality and safety policy. Like would I have caught this or how did this happen? And you know, you don't always know. They just kind of give you the, the summary information that's pertinent for consumers but you kind of run those thought experiments of, you know, pressure test my own situation and would we have flagged this and, you know, what was the root cause and can we in, uh, introduce something um, to prevent those kind of things into the quality system? Yep, I agree. Um, I want to jump down to one uh, that is, is chemsafetypro.com. Oh, there you go. So. And, and why I want to jump to this one is because the whole world of chemical safety regulation is, I mean, like if I would say I'm about four or five PhD short of being able to understand what's, what's out there in terms of chemical regulation. And I feel like I'm not alone in that. Um, it's just like a lot of alphabet soup. And it feels a little bit like you're trying to swim around alphabet soup when you put together your chemical management programs. Um, but... Chem Safety Pro is it's a free, free again. It's free. It's free. But um, hey, Jared, real quick. Speaking of free, how about a word from our sponsor? Yeah, there we have sponsors. That was great. Hey, everybody, <laughs> hey, no sponsors. If you want to sponsor some BS, there's. Gonna, I just I, I had to do it. I had to do it. But I, Chem Safety Pro, I, it, it, it is it is free. Um, I love it for basic like physical chemical properties type stuff because i feel like it is like an, an engineering toolbox resource all the way yeah. up to like current tras and other sorts of hazard communications on chemical safety that i like, that's the first thing i say to anybody i work with is like i'm aware of this but i have no clue what it means we're gonna need to find somebody on this to help you with that everything from eu and- to... You know, and it's like, and it's like, what, what do you need to know as a manufacturer? I, everyone needs to know a little bit different, but as a manufacturer, like, I don't need to know how many carbons are in the, the chain nope. of PFAS or whatever. I don't, I don't need to know. Because, don't need to know. Because it, it doesn't even, I don't have any frame of reference for what that means anyway. It's a long or short chain and, or it's an organic hydrocarbon. And I don't even know what that is, but I said I it. Don't, I don't know if it's aromatic or if it's uh, whatever. I, it doesn't, I have no frame of reference. I don't understand what that means. But what, what I like about Chem Safety Pro is they kind of boil down in such simple terms of like what the regulation is. And then also like where you would find these kind of chemicals. So I can understand like. Yes. It's very practical. Yeah, it's very practical. Like, oh, do we have um, stain-resistant chemicals? Or are we using, you know, water-repellent surface coatings or something? Like, that's something that is tangible that I can understand. I don't know if we're using carbon chains with 15-length aromatic 
duly whack. So I don't know about that, but I know I know like what the function is, and that that's where I feel like Chem Safety Pro. I, um, I didn't know where you're going with that, Jared, but I heard a what the function, and I was like, whoa, whoa, there's children listening here. But um, I also like the fact that there's a lot of by tech, like Chem Safety Pro organizes things geographically really simply. Yeah. And when there's a new, like I can remember a couple of years ago, uh, South Korea came up with some new registration for something. I don't even remember what it was, but like Chem Safety Pro was the resource I went to about, you know, what do you need to know about? I think it was like K Reach. Do you do you remember this, Jared? I don't know why I was working yeah. in this. I have no business working in this, uh, but I was learning about this and I had no clue. Like, how how do you even get started? with like complying to these amendments in the consumer products space for, for South Korea and chem safety pro had like this entire article of walk through this. It's, it's like your book for dummies. You know, when you went to go to office Depot way back in the day to get your office supplies, I don't know if people still do that, but uh, you know, it was all those books for dummies, Excel for dummies, setting up your desk for dummies. Yeah. This, this is like, this Chemical is like regulation for dummies. Yeah. This, this is what I do, man. This is where I go. And I, if for some reason no, like, I, i've i've gone through like indian food contact regulations yes. yeah like you know so I, i'm a big fan of this one we, we could go on and on and on but i think from from a general uh hey be aware of this resource chem safety pro is there and, and a similar topic I, I i'm gonna say insert and i'm gonna combine a few things here to get back on time insert law firm here type in products uh, prop 65 type in weekly update type in, you know, consumer product, and you're going to find an abundance of resources about Prop 65 postings. You're going to find, you know, webinars that you can sign up for. You're going to sign up, you're going to find things for trends uh, in spaces that you may or may not even known about. But I'd say insert uh, law firm name, insert lab name, uh, and then Prop 65 or other things that you're interested in. You're going to find um, oftentimes free webinars that you can sign up for. Um, or find an expert that you can send an email to. You know, all these places are looking for your your business, so you're often able to find a an email to a person um, to inquire further about. And many of these people are super passionate, like we are, um, very intelligent, and can get you in a in a proper direction. If if you're not finding it directly there um, from the resource or content that's posted um, or a summary thereof. Uh, you can find the actual person who's speaking about that and, and typically networking that way um, has been really it's proven helpful for me to, to get better understanding on. You know, typically, I use this for Prop 65, but in general, just to understand, you know, why is it important that Joe Biden's in office and that we have new commissioners in the CPSC? What does that mean for us? You know, why, why are there more recalls happening now than there weren't before? Like, what, what does that mean for this business or or this business stream globally, uh, I think, is, is um, you know, a good way to kind of spend zero time and, and get a lot of reward from it yeah yeah hey just like the recalls i'm signed up yep, for yep, all exactly. those you know weekly regulatory updates here's you know industry trends you know things like that that yeah. come in from law firms labs yeah so let, let's go jared into like i think all those that we talked about before are probably pretty pretty generic pretty easy let, let's let's take it to like the, the graduate level course of product safety real quick. I feel like getting more technical. I think yeah, I don't want to say easy versus hard, but more like, you know, yeah, more, process I, focus versus technical. Yeah. Appropriate. Appropriate. I, I misspoke and sorry for anyone that I insulted out there. Uh, the three people that have listened so far. Thanks mom. Uh, thanks Jared's mom. Uh, <laughs> My mom's still listening. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think uh, a lot of times we look at things and Jared, because you and I have a very similar upbringing in, in product safety, so many people look at 
market access or global compliance is just requirements and that makes things safe. And oftentimes those requirements are made for reasons that either we can never find the rationale for or because it's retrospective based on a product or maybe it's you know, perspective or, or, or proactive if, if you're in a different market than the U.S. Uh, but looking at specific things related to the users rather than the products might be helpful in assessing a product safety or risk. Um, so I know I've used two resources for anthropometrics and biomechanics before. Um, the, the Department of Trade and Industry out of the U.K., uh, published in the 90s, Phase 1 and Phase 2. If you just type in DTI Phase 1, Phase 2, uh, you'll find some some pretty good and robust sources for um, anthropometrics and biomechanics on children. So maybe you're making a product and you don't want it to break, or it is breaking, and you want to compare like what the actual kids are capable of doing or you know what, what the guidance from the standards might say. Um, you know, use the DTI Phase 1 and Phase 2 data. And in the same token, uh, say you're having a, an incident with uh, maybe entrapment uh, and the gauges or, or the probes that are, are prescribed out there, the test method isn't making sense, or you don't have the ability to, you know, go buy one of those probes because you're just getting started. You know, take a look at the University of Michigan anthropometric data. Um, the Snyder studies out of the 70s uh, are, are great for this. Uh, rumor has it sometime in the next 12 months or so, we're supposed to have an updated version of this out of the University of Michigan in a collaborative CPSC-funded study. Uh, but for right now, going back to the 1970s and, and looking at uh, the University of Michigan anthro data, all of those are free resources that you can find online uh, and very quickly navigate to, you know, things is, about uh, Is the University of Michigan data that's free? Uh, whether it's supposed to be or not, you can certainly find it. Um, so if you just, oh yeah, I do. I do love me some bootleg versions of standards and stuff too. Hey, I don't know if you're supposed to say that, but I mean, if you type it in Google and you can click on a link, I mean, it's, I, I can't be faulted for clicking on a link that has good information. Um, no, so. I think, uh, no, I do. I do want to say while you were talking, I did Google DTI phase one, phase two, and I, it didn't quite pop up. So you might have to add a few more keywords in there. I'm not sure exactly what, but, uh, but I do agree. That's a great source um, for. I literally know, just typed in DTI phase one, phase two biomechanics. And I have like the first three links have gotten right, me there. Right. So. so maybe add biomechanics, <laughs> add biomechanics. I, I've searched for it so many times. I don't, you know, either that or I have it on my desktop. So yeah, maybe um, your computer just knows you. Yeah. Um, hey, that's scary. But, but yeah, it's good. I mean, I, and I think, you know, diving into what that is, is, you know, just the, the sizes and strengths of uh, people, kids, adults, both um, doing pretty general tasks. I think there's like, you know, turning a doorknob or pinching, a, you know, pinching something, pushing a button, um, all kinds of very simple general tasks that can be applied uh, really broadly to any product development. Um, and it's free. Awesome. Let's move so to the next one here. Do you, do you want to cover over uh, some of the labeling and some of the risk assessment sure. methodologies? Now, yeah. So, uh, so uh, yeah, yeah. So I, um, I, I wanted to talk about one of the SIN guides, SIN elect guide 14 mm -hmm. in particular. Uh, which is related to labeling. So, um, is it? Yes. Guide 14 no. Maybe I meant, uh, maybe that's, I meant that's 11. Children's, that's children's products, right? Uh, maybe I meant guide 11. Yeah, I think I, maybe I meant Cinelec guide 11. Oh, no. 
I know, man. Who's fact checking this thing? I don't know, man. But um, spending five minutes and getting fourteen, which is childcare articles, I think we should all know about that one. That's, that's yeah. a good background. It, but... That you know, I confuse that because I I use send guide fourteen also quite a bit. Um, let me just take a step back. If you're not familiar with the send guides or send elect guides, um, they there are also analogous ISO IEC guides, but those you have to pay for. Senelec guides are free and they're just guidelines, right? It's no mandatory standard. It just gives you some information. But, you know, as I said earlier, it's it's a publication. It's something that's gone through SEN uh, committee reviews and, and, and it's published and it's out there for um, either for standard makers or uh, manufacturers to take advantage of. Um, so being able to to justify, you know, your rationale of why you're doing X, Y, Z um, to your organization, it goes a long way to be able to say this I pulled from from this standard or so up, you know. So I would say look into the send guides. Uh, there's a lot of them and a lot may be irrelevant to, to what you do, but there are certainly some that uh, are very important and, and can be beneficial. And the one that uh, I am referencing here is send guide 11, which is about uh, labeling of consumer products for safety. Um, uh, you know, labeling for warnings, but also instructions uh, and, um, you know, just a any information in general for the use of a product. I, One I think, thing, okay, yeah, go I, ahead. I was just going to no, say. I was, well, we're both going to say it at the same time, I guess, apparently. <laughs> I, I'm just going to wait till you start talking to interrupt you again. Go ahead, Jared. I'll, I'll jump in on, on my favorite part of this that I didn't there's, know about. There's a, there's a couple guides and standards out there about labeling. I picked this one to talk about because, again, it's free. And I think it. I've referenced it a number of times. It talks about some risk assessment pieces. Uh, and then there's an, a little section where it, within the risk assessment talks about like whether a warning is needed or not and kind of giving that thought of, is this an obvious hazard to a consumer? Does it need to be warned? Or, you know, kind of the opposite. Are you just putting the warning to kind of cover your anatomy, uh, so to speak? And, and from a legal perspective, because then they actually make the point that over warning starts to dilute the pool and the effectiveness of warning labels and uh, that's something that I've had many conversations about. So I, I frequently go to send God 11 and say, hey, look, we need to be mindful of this because this, this guidance document here talks about this specific case of overwarming and how it can start to dilute the effectiveness of, uh, of actual warnings that are meant to be there for product safety. So building on that as well, Jared, I like section 7.1. And the reason I like section 7.1 of this document Wait, is if, section 7.1. I mean, I know the standard. I don't have it memorized uh, letter by letter. Don't believe me, I don't have it memorized either. It's just I just remember this because I've been asked about it enough times and I've worked with enough people that have been in the situation where maybe you're distributing to a, a new demographic or a new region. Um, you're a second language person and you're in a situation where you have to write an effective warning. Um, and there's like uh, yeah. seven, eight, nine, ten different bullet points of – don't use a lot of words. Don't use double negatives. Illustrations are helpful. Operating procedurals or procedures are like all those types of things. And I don't remember what these are, but you know, we work with so many opinionated people in marketing and design and engineering, and it's great. But at some point, we've got to have like what's really good professional experience anecdote that you want to keep versus like that person's just pumping an ego for everybody to see that they're in charge. 
here's a quick way of like, this is a good guideline of what you should have in a warning and maybe why you should have it. And each one of these checkboxes not only create a helpful warning, but also like where you should have in a liability file, maybe some of these things covered off and maybe uh, addressed in your design as well. So I, I like 7.1. I think this is a topic that gets um, you know blown out of proportion and, and oftentimes under investigated at the same time, if that makes sense. It's, it's um, hard. But know, it is it's, a challenge to put together warning labels. I've had more yeah, discussions on this sometimes than I have the actual design. So I yeah, like 7.1. Like the 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 word in the seven point one, I because I pulled it up now and looked, and it gives kind of like the checklist of items you know to include in the warning. So it helps you frame the the wording in the warning. The the guidance document also goes through you know calling out the potential source of harm, the consequence, the actions to mitigate. You know just how to fr frame the the warning. I mean even going down into things of where they're located. You put it yep. on the product, on yep. the packaging, on the instructions, in the in the user manual and like why you would put things in different position. So yeah, overall designing of warning labels and information and communication is, is not trivial. And it's a, it's a nice, uh, you know, it's nice that, and it's a succinct standard that you can look to. So Jared, um, let's, to get some good insight. let's segue into more risk assessment methodologies. I know there's a few here that you and I are both familiar with, whether it's the EU RAG, um, mm -hmm. You had tagged ISO 31010, so 31,010, yeah. 310, um, Same thing. Uh, I've used this before. Is that your phone number you give Dude, me? Dude, I, 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 I felt like I was flying like a helicopter somewhere, and I just had to like keep giving updates. Yeah, um, I would find myself somewhere through this. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, and the other one is CENTR. And I'm not going to even go through the number 13387. One, two, three, eight, seven. So I'm going to start with the CEN um, 13387. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you struggling so much with the numbers? There's a lot of numbers. Uh, okay, okay. okay. So anyway, the reason why, you know, this is something. Maybe, maybe we should give the reference so that people could actually look it up. <laughs> well, yeah, you want you want to do that? <laughs> the, the, the BSI standards publication. What, what are we talking? No, about? no. I mean, we're, we're talking the, about risk C -E It's CEN. It's CENTR one three three eight seven. Okay. Well, so, in one clear way, so people could actually Google it instead okay. of Googling. I mean they're gonna go ahead, find Keith, it. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. For me, I, I take this as second nature. I'm sorry. So in explaining what this is, um thirteen three eighty seven gives a really good and there's three parts. Um, but parts one and three I think I refer to mostly. Um it, it, it breaks things down by actual hazards and not product characteristics that, that contribute to hazards. So many times designers look at like hinge, it's a hinge hazard. It's like, well, what the hell is a hinge hazard? Like, let's talk about entrapment or let's talk about, you know, things that might lead to pinching or amputation. And then it breaks down by moving parts and items that are folding and, and, and things like that. So I think hazard identification in these in, in this approach in 13387 is really good. But then also my favorite thing that I've used for risk assessments for a lot of companies out there is an FMEA approach that you find in table one in mechanical hazards. For instance, I'll pick that out. Um, but it lists out a hazard list. And for those of you who are making the same types of products time and time again and innovating and changing, say it's a stroller, you know, you're always gonna have wheels, you're always gonna have a harness, you're always gonna have a handle, some sort of folding mechanism, some sort of you know child occupancy area. 
your hazard list doesn't change too much, but the way you deploy that product and the way that it you know might interface with your consumers does change as you innovate. And so this chart in table one gives you a really clear uh, way of how do you identify the hazard, what's the analysis of the hazard, what's our risk level, and how do we manage that risk. And it, it's a really easy way that for those of you playing along at home, if, if you need a resource, shoot this into Excel, make yourself a, a nice little chart and a multiplicative table. And, and, and if you could populate this with your own incident records and what your risk tolerance is, this becomes like an invaluable tool and shortcut to assessing risk. Um, and I think probably the most clear cut way that I've seen an industry display something that's that's easy for almost anyone with any experience um, to understand. So I'm, I'm a huge proponent of of the the risk calculations that they that they lay out in um, 13387 and, table. And I know, Keith, you said you look at uh, sections one and three a lot. I also look at three. I, I will add section two, which is on chemical hazards. Not free like Chem Safety Pro, but again, it's a good resource to help uh, manufacturers kind of navigate the, the chemical hazard, chemical management piece. Um, I, do, I just wanted to add on to what you were saying. So this, this family of standards, 13387, is, is uh, directed towards uh, children's product safety. But, and I feel like in, in this industry, we hear, you know, you can see the eyes rolling and the huffing and puffing, like, oh, here we go. We're talking about children's products again. We're talking about toys again. Um, but it, it's, it's a, a reference that's important because we do know that children interact with products of all types. And it's just a good resource. And I want to give a, a kind of a personal example. Um, you know, here it's summer, it's hot. And uh, I was playing with my daughter outside and the, the AC, the air conditioner turned on and she goes over to the blower and we do this game, which no. we call, we do, we do this game, which we call Chewbacca, which is, <laughs> is it the hair that flies over? <laughs> which you just lean over the blower and you just yell into the blower. <laughs> You yell into the blower and it makes your voice sound like Chewbacca. Exactly. She she's three years old. She has no idea what Chewbacca is. I love is. this. I love she, this. She has no idea what Chewbacca is. But every time we're passing it, someone's AC kicks on. She goes, "Daddy, there's Chewbacca machine." Oh, that's so good. I love so, this. So we so we do play on the AC on the blower quite a bit, um, and and one day you know she was she wanted to climb up it because she likes to climb everything, and I'm just looking at the grate and I'm looking at the fan blade blowing on the inside and I'm looking at the size of her little fingers and I'm like I wonder like is there is there like a requirement for like AC blowers to have like clearance for little fingers or or not like do i have to worry about this kid's finger coming? so of no, course i was they're, panicking they're, they're called child blenders for a reason man i mean yeah i can stick so, my hand in mine i've done it before so <laughs> so, so i'm i'm like watching her climb it and i'm like super nervous so i, I you know i kind of shut that one down but but it made me think you know a standard you know looping it back to 13387 you know i don't care if you're you know you're making ac blowers uh, if this is a concern and, and it's a concern for consumers that your kids are playing outside this it's summer even when they get a little bit older and they're going to be playing you know more unsupervised you know they're going to be climbing on you know we were climbing on top of all the power generators and all kinds of things um you know if you could build a grate that you knew for certain you know you kid could not stick their finger in and, and have a, an amputation or something you know why not build that into your blower it's not going to impact your 
um, you know, the performance in any way, shape or form. It's just something that you keep in mind. And, and this would be a great reference to, to address that, you know, you, you identify it and then, you know, you could sit there and be like, Hey, how big are kids fingers? Like, I don't know. We make air conditioners or you could just, you know, check your, you know, do a quick Google search, maybe download or purchase 13387. And then you've got all the information you need. Absolutely. Or to be honest, the DTI data or any of the other sources that we've, we've talked about for biomechanics. But, but it is important, uh, I think, when we talk about children's product safety and the hazards associated with it, not necessarily just for children's product, you know, children's safety should apply for any product that you would see in or around the household. So, so Jerry, that's that's really good comments, and I love the fact that you play Chewbacca because I'm totally gonna do that with my kids. That's, that's just Chewbacca. so much fun. Uh, uh, absolutely, there's just so many things we could do with that. I I have a different experience with with an ace air uh, air conditioning unit, in that um, I once knew a dog that uh, you know didn't like to get her paws wet, so she used to unfortunately use the bathroom on top of the air conditioning uh, blower, the condenser outside. So. Uh, that was always eventful uh, when that happened. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it was awful. But, yeah, also, like, like let's, let's just – we could do a better job at this. Um, but, yeah, sure. Let's, let's move on. We've, we've, we've already done 33 minutes. Let's spend a couple more minutes before we hit our final countdown here. Um, other oh, we're at 33 minutes. Yeah, let's hit, let's hit oh, uh, a few more of these resources. I think very quickly because we're going we're gonna to have to do another session on this. Injury data. I mean, there's so many different sources out there for injury data. There's probably two that are by far the best that I'll condone is uh, nice injury data. You can search that online and eChirp through Canada. You can you can also um, kind of apply to, to view uh, additional data there. But let's let's just say quickly, you know, injury data, couple that with your recall searches. Uh, there's ways that you could do this pretty quickly and simply and maybe maybe another session, Jared, we can go through that in more detail. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, I think we hit some pretty key ones. I don't have anything else to add, and I think for the sake oh, of time, we no, can. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna add two more. I gotta add two more. Fine, you, you've fine, got fine. the human factors guidelines from the CPSC, the age grading guidelines as well from the CPSC. Um, you can, you can search those and find those. I think pretty quickly. Um, for those of you who are not from a lab or have not seen a lot of standards, another thing that I, I, I found myself doing is type in the standard you're concerned with and like plus ASTM or plus ISO, ISO or, you know, whatever you're looking for and do that in YouTube. And more than likely you're going to find a 30 second clip on somebody using a piece of test equipment, rightly or wrongly, but get you an idea at least like what the hell is happening during this assessment. Um, and that, that's been helpful for me. Oh, um, yeah. And I think, I think for, for the rest of these, Jared, you know, there, there's, there's so many other topics about toy directives, uh, interpretation documents that are out there, uh, sampling schemes. I, I think we, what we should do is just hit 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 our, our final countdown here and close out for the day. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds good. I like the music. Man, that is good. That was well cued. This is just high-quality production at, at its finest, everyone. So, so I'm going to ask an awkward question. What is our final countdown? Do we do something or – we just sign yeah, off. We're just trying to close out because no one's going to uh, listen yeah. for more than 11 minutes of this. And like, <laughs> Thanks, Mom, for, for hanging out. Um, but, yeah, well, I, I, I hope today's session was informative. I, you know, I enjoy doing this, obviously, and we'll hopefully do more. But, uh, Jared, I think, that we, I think we dropped a shared a ton of knowledge. 
uh, about yeah. thirteen three eighty seven and three one zero one zero one zero one zero zero. No, I think you know. I think in general, there's just a lot of really good resources, and many of them are free. And if you find yourself in a position to where you you need an answer, and not really sure where to look, you know, just start googling it, man. And you'll you know you'll be surprised what you can find out there. Awesome. All right, that's Thank about you, it. Jared. Let's be done BSing for today. That was some good BS, man. This is fun. Let's do it again. All right. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening.